Crow marketing culture and sketchy MLMs have given modern business a bad reputation. It feels harder than ever to succeed as an entrepreneur, even though we've got an abundance of info and tech right at our fingertips. If you feel frustrated running your business, stress over your sales goals, or are baffled by marketing strategies, you've come to the right place. You deserve to run a successful, sustainable business without spamming all of your friends or wasting time and money on marketing gimmicks. This is the Sell It Sister podcast, and you're going to learn how to make more money without complex systems or sleazy sales tactics. I'm Erica Tebbins, and I teach highly motivated, female, and gender expansive entrepreneurs that selling doesn't have to suck. I've been running successful businesses and teaching others how to sell smarter, earn more, and create raving fans for over 15 years. And I'm excited to share what I've learned with you. If you want success without truly serving your clients, profits without any passion, or the next get rich quick scheme, I'm not your gal. But if you're all in as an entrepreneur, want to make a difference with your work, and are ready to run a business you're proud of, then get ready to sell it, sister. As an online entrepreneur, it can feel hard as hell to get any sort of consistency when it comes to booking in new clients. And added to this frustration is often the fact that you already feel like you are living online 24 seven and doing all the things you've been told that you should do. And still you are struggling with any sort of predictability with your profits. And as an ethical entrepreneur, I know that you do not want to resort to any of those sleazy, gross, invasive, hey girl DMs. You know, the ones I'm talking about the, Hey girl, let me tell you about my opportunity or Hey girl, let me tell you how I can help you fill your sales pipeline. It'll only cost you X, Y, Z dollars. It's icky. It's gross. And the good news is it's completely unnecessary. I have a free training. It's shorter than your favorite Netflix show. And in under 20 minutes, you are going to learn the exact process I use for myself and with my clients to get more rad clients on repeat without having to resort to any unethical tactics, high pressure strategies, or Hey girl DMS. Simply go to bit.ly forward slash goodbye. Hey girl, that's bit.ly forward slash goodbye. Hey girl, all lowercase, all one word, and you will get instant access to this free training that is going to teach you how you can show up as your super amazing, authentic self and form real feel good connections with people on the internet in order to grow your business with ease and without sleaze. Okay. Go to bit.ly forward slash goodbye. Hey girl, get it now. So you don't forget. And then enjoy the episode on this episode of sell it sister. I have brought on Nicole Khalil to talk about confidence and what gets in the way of confidence and also how you can build confidence. And I know that this is super important when it comes to sales and marketing. And we touch on it towards the end of our conversation, but confidence is really, really crucial as a step that enables us to feel okay with showing up and 
telling people, Hey, the thing I have is awesome. And here's why you should pay me money for it. So it's, it's kind of like the step that happens before, before a lot of the rest of it. So I know you're going to absolutely love this episode and learn so much. This was such a fun and amazing and valuable conversation. So Nicole Khalil is more than slightly obsessed with confidence and what it takes to both build and keep it. She spent the bulk of her professional life with a fortune 500 company where her passion for leadership and her commitment to building her own confidence led her to become the first female chief development officer in the 160 year company history. Since starting her own company, Nicole has coached hundreds of executives and entrepreneurs, consults with Fortune 500 companies, hosts the This Is Women's Work podcast, and speaks to leaders across the country about the not-so-secret secrets of confidence. Both of Nicole's parents immigrated to the United States, her father from Mexico and her mother from Germany, making her a first-generation American. She credits her father in teaching her strong work ethic, confidence, and willingness to take risks, and her mother taught her the organizational skills and effective time management that allows for her to excel in complex and challenging roles. Her values are commitment, courage, authenticity, and you guessed it, confidence, and she is focused on demonstrating these on a daily basis. Maintaining harmony in her different roles of mother, wife, and business owner successfully is an ongoing challenge. And choice management is a much more important skill today than it ever was. She is a self-admitted foodie and enjoys wine tasting and reading in whatever free time she has. And this is, uh, I, I just want to say, cause sometimes I you know, bring people on who I already have known for a while. And then other times I bring new to me people on. And I was just really delighted that Nicole and I shared so many of the same values and approaches to, um, business and just, uh, mindset in a lot of ways. So I know that if you, if you vibe with me, you're going to vibe with her. It is such a good conversation. So on to the episode. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the Salad Sister podcast. I am so excited to have you and really excited to talk about confidence today. So welcome. Thanks, Erica. I'm excited to be here. And it's literally my favorite topic in the world to talk about. So I'm, I'm extra excited. Good, good. That's awesome. So before we dive into uh, talking about what gets in the way of people feeling confident and then how people can start to build their confidence, tell a little bit about how you got to do like what you do now, like kind of like your, your origin story, because you have a, a really cool origin story. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> you know how when you're living it, it doesn't really seem yeah. that cool, but yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so my background is with a Fortune 100 company, uh, a big sales Fortune 100 company. And um, what I did predominantly was focus on the newer sales associates and their training and development, as well as identifying leadership talent and, and, and recruiting and, and all of that. So um, it was a very male-dominated industry, and I was the first female to ever be promoted to my role in the 160-year company history. And so as you might imagine, uh, I think sales requires a lot of confidence. I Mm -hmm. think, you know, working in a large corporation requires a lot of confidence and being the only woman in the room the vast majority of the time 
for me required a lot of confidence. And so um, ultimately what was happening is people were saying, you know, be confident, be bold, be brave, but nobody was really telling me how to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, great, be confident. Like, what does that mean? How do Mm -hmm. I do it? How do I build it? And so I made it more of a personal journey, personal mission to really figure out how to become confident. I I did this through lots of reading, research, observation, testing things out myself. And it became a bit of a passion of mine because I saw very often that confidence is a word that's overused and misused example, a lot of people say confident, but what is actually showing up is arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, kind of really differentiating what actually is confidence. And then the second thing is I noticed, and, and of course, research backs this up, that women have less confidence than their male counterparts. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing that play out professionally over and over and over again. And I don't believe we were born with less confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so it became a a, a bit of a mission as as I think about gender equity and eliminating gender expectations, which is my big, big mission. I thought one of the ways that I could be impactful and relevant was talking to women, coaching women, supporting women to grow and build their confidence. That's awesome. And I, I love that you mentioned the gender equity part, because one of my favorite sayings, especially, you know, to, to my clients and stuff is like, just carry yourself with the confidence of a mediocre white man. (laughs) So good. so real. Like you hear that and you're immediately like, yeah, I know uh-huh. exactly what that means. Um, yeah. We could almost like visualize mm-hmm. an exact person, like an avatar, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and like, I should say too, like at the time of recording, this is during the Olympics when Simone Biles is just, you know, chosen to step away from competing and like, literally it's all mediocre white men that are dragging her. And it's like, are you, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) It is so painful. I could not possibly, you know, I I was, I guess, proud of her as an American when she won all those medals. I am significantly more proud of her today. Yes. Um, Not that she needs me to be proud of her, but it, it, it just, oh God, the example that she's setting and, and based on everything I've learned and have experienced that looks like confidence to me. Yes, I would. I would agree. I think it is, it is such beautiful, beautiful role modeling of, uh, of, yeah, of, of being confident enough to like put the goat in rhinestones on the back of your leotard. And also saying like, yeah, this is not this right now is not for me and I need to not do this. Um, yeah, yeah, I love it. And, uh, before we dive into the things that get in the way, I am curious, have you ever read the book playing big by Tara Moore? I haven't. No. Oh, it's so good. So as you were talking about, 
um, you know, the, that women tend to have less confidence, but we're not born with less confidence. So that book absolutely changed my life. I actually had her on the podcast, which was like, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, total fangirl moment. I, um, yep. I get that. But yeah. But the, what made me think of it while you were talking is why that book changed my life. And I recommend it to so many people is because it's all these actual case studies of these brilliant, talented, accomplished women who then are like moving outside of their comfort zone to do something different, right? Like change careers or go for like their dream position in their company or start a business or a nonprofit. And really what it comes down to is like the feeling of I'm not there yet. Like I don't have the confidence to do the thing yet. And I need to do something else in between in order to kind of feel like deserving and worthy of Mm -hmm. doing that thing. Um, and it was, it was through that and like reading that, like these people who I would assume have massive confidence and achievements and all of that. I'm like, if they don't believe that they can do the next amazing thing in their life and play bigger then like, Oh my God, we are just fucked. Yeah. (laughs) This is not good as women. Well, Erica, there are two, I think really interesting things that I'll add to that. Number one, I think we as women often assume that there are people who have it like all together, right. Or or Mm -hmm. we have certain people we look at and that we're like, they don't deal with this. I've had the opportunity to coach women at executive levels, you know, managerial levels, business owners, entrepreneurs, multimillionaires. And I have yet to meet one who has not been challenged by their confidence. I I take, I, when I do keynote presentations, I do a poll and it's, you know, what's your current level of confidence. And by far the most common response has been, I feel confident in some aspects of my life, but not in others. Mm. That is, you know, the vast majority, almost 70% of people respond that way. I've only ever had six people, like not 6%, six humans out of thousands respond. I feel hundred percent confident hundred percent of the time. And every single time it's been in a mixed gender audience. So I can't say for sure that it's been mm-hmm. answering that, but it, you know, could be a guess. Um, and I always, you know, tackle that of, you know, it's not humanly possible. You know, I say with love, if you really believe that I would encourage you to go talk to somebody because that is most likely a mental health Mm -hmm. issue, narcissism, or, you know, at the very least massive insecurity in feeling like they need to respond in that way. Absolutely. That is so fascinating. So what are some of the things I know you have five key things that really get in the way of confidence. So I'd love for you to talk about those. Sure. Yeah. I call them confidence derailers, but ultimately these are the things that chip away at our confidence and maybe more, especially for women. There are probably more than five, but these are the five that I see over and over and over again. The first is perfectionism the expectation that we place on ourselves to have it all, be it all, do it all. And, oh, by the way, look good while we're doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's just, 
obviously an impossible task. We're setting ourselves up to fail because we know perfection is not an achievable goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second confidence derailer is head trash. I've heard it called the inner Mm -hmm. critic, the voice Mm -hmm. in our head. Uh, The third is judgment and comparison. I think we all know what that looks like. Uh, Mm -hmm. Social media has made that a much easier trap to fall into. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fourth is overthinking. Thinking isn't a problem. It's the over part waiting to be ready. Um, The book you mentioned, uh, Playing Big, I I think, you know, is a a little bit of some stories of that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, seeking confidence externally. That's the fifth, fifth confidence derailer. And it, it goes something like this. If X happens, then I'll feel confident. X being mm-hmm. validation, promotion, income, compliments, uh, you know, likes on social media, certain weight. Uh, I mean, the list is endless. Perfectly behaved right. kids, right? If X happens, then I'll feel confident. And so we have our confidence tied to some sort of external uh, source. And so those are the five biggest confidence derailers. I'm happy to dive into any and all of them a little bit deeper. But um, when I go through those five in front of a room full of women, you, you, you see a lot of head nods. I think we all have experienced some version of most, if not all of those, but most of us can say one or two of those are our specific kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah. I feel like I'm like, oh yeah, I've totally experienced like all of those. And I, my friends, my client, yeah, all of them. And I think especially the last one. And, um, I think that this is, it's, it's really hard to wrap your, your brain around, but like, kind of like how you were saying, you know, coaching all of these different people, all of the, all of these different levels, and they're struggling, they're still struggling with confidence in some form or fashion. I feel like the last one, like with money, because especially, you know, online entrepreneurship, it's very easy. A lot of the time to see what other people are kind of achieving, right? If somebody mm-hmm. says, oh, I made this much money or I, you know, whatever. Um, it's relatively easy to see that compared to like in the corporate world, you might know salary ranges, but you don't necessarily usually know all the exact pay of every single like other person in your company. Yeah. Um, and I know like there's sort of this idea of like, when I get to whatever revenue level, like, which I, I feel like it's most commonly like a 10 K month, right? When I get to a 10 K month, I will be happy. Everything will be smooth sailing. And like, I will have made it. And I think it's very much in that same way that there's so many like, uh, things written about people who've had massive weight loss. And they're like, I've lost over hundred pounds and I thought I would be happy. And then I realized like I wasn't, and then I had to work on like the inner stuff at, you know, yeah, I think it's very, it's very much the same. And I think it's one of those things that's really hard. Cause you're like, yeah, but you know, 
like, it just feels like I will be though. So sure. I want to get there. So do you have anything, like, I know we're going to talk about, you know, how to build the confidence, but like, what do you say to people, especially when you're like, when they're like, yeah, when I have, you know, when I'm fully booked or when I'm at X revenue months or whatever, then I will be able to like exhale. Yeah. So, and I think, um, too, I want to separate confidence from other feelings, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you might actually be able to exhale if you hit a certain income because mm-hmm. you, know, you can pay your bills and live, you know, whatever, or you might be able to, um, not feel the financial pressure stress, which I know, you know, can be mm-hmm. heavy, but when I like confidence is really about trusting yourself. It's about mm. boldly trusting yourself. It's about, you know, being not just comfortable, but feeling worthy and valuable in your own skin. It, it, it's really like the embracing of this is my life, the life I get to live. And, you know, how do I honor that and, and live fully and embrace And so if we come from income as it relates to confidence, um, I, I think it's a little bit easier to unravel. So I get a lot of the, like when I make a million dollars that I'll feel confident. That's pretty mm-hmm. common. And, 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 and I just, you know, like walk me through that. What would happen if you made 960,000 in that year? Are you mm-hmm. not confident? Like what's magical about a million? What happens then? And then I've experienced myself and worked with others enough to know that if you tie your confidence to some sort of external thing, what happens is when you achieve that external thing, the 10 K month or making a million dollars, what is more likely to happen is you get there, you celebrate for like, I don't know, 24 hours. And then Mm -hmm. you start panicking about what's next. Mm -hmm. Right. So I made a million dollars. How do I keep making a million dollars? Or I I made a million dollars and I thought something transformative was going to happen and it didn't. So maybe the number is 1.5 or, and it's kind of, I I equate it a lot to, um, believing like using drugs or or alcohol to achieve happiness. Mm -hmm. You may temporarily or momentarily feel euphoric but it wears off more often than not, we will feel worse than we did before. And then we become addicted to that thing. And so apply it to anything. Uh, we mm-hmm. used income in that weight loss as an example. And this is one that people challenge me on a lot. And listen, I am not the decider of what makes everybody confident or what makes mm-hmm. people feel good or what makes people trust themselves. So if you working out and losing weight actually makes you become confident. Good for you. But more often than not, what we're talking about is, um, you know, weight loss or fitting into a certain size. And when you lose weight, the only thing that happens is you weigh less. It doesn't Mm -hmm. change who you are as a person. And, and we all know incredibly gorgeous women who are not confident. We know skinny mm-hmm. women who are, I mean, extreme examples are people with eating disorders or mm-hmm. body dysmorphia. Being a certain size or a certain weight does not equal confidence. Now, 
you may, as an example, lose weight in a really productive and healthy way and increase your confidence. But my, my stance is it's not the act of losing weight that made you confident. It's what you did to achieve it. The promises you kept to or to yourself about the pride you feel when you deliver on those promises, i.e. I'm committing to taking care of my body or eating healthy or uh, being mindful of my nutrition or drinking more water or, or being committed to exercising a certain amount or in a certain way. It's the trust we create in ourself when we follow through on the commitments and the promises that we make to ourselves, when we prioritize ourselves, when we take care of ourselves, that's what creates the confidence in my mm-hmm. mind. So maybe in the process of that, you lost some weight or gotten to a different size, but I don't think it's the weight loss or the size that's giving you confidence. I think it's the action you took and the prioritization and, and, and delivering on promises and the trust that you created in yourself through the process that is actually delivering that feeling. Am I making yeah, sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, like two things that I was thinking while you were talking, the one about the, you know, when I get to a level, then, uh, I I will, you know, be magically different and confident and then kind of moving that, that goalpost and feeling like, Oh, how do I keep the million dollars? So, yeah. So I feel like it's this, like, it's this interesting thing. Like now that I know so many different people at so many different revenue levels in their businesses. I can confidently say that, yeah, there is, there is no revenue level that somebody gets to where they're just like, oh yeah, well, everything from here on out is gonna be awesome. And every launch is going to go well. And every person I hire is going to be a rock. So, you know, like, it's like, no, like there's no, um, safety net uh, where of revenue that you can get to where suddenly you're like, woohoo. Like now I'm, I'm like superwoman. I'm super confident. I have zero imposters. And you know, it's, it's like yeah. all of those things are there. And I feel like for me, like being able to actually see and work with and be in community with people who are like yet yeah, hitting those, those numbers And I feel like universally women are like, but it feels like a fluke, like what it, and this doesn't matter if they're like, I'm finally at 5k months or 10k, or we've crossed the million dollars in a year threshold. It's there's sort of always that underlying current of like, but this must be a fluke. And how am I going to keep it going. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought of, um, when you were talking about like, it's the action and the trust building. Um, it reminded me of a client I had this year, which this was like so cool to witness, but she had a launch that didn't go how she wanted to, but she didn't give up during the whole launch. Like the timeframe she set for herself, she was doing the tasks and the, you know, marketing um, actions that she told herself she would do. And even when it was like, not looking good, she was like, I'm going to stick with it. I I made this promise to myself. I'm going to actually do it. 
And she also was showing up in a way that was in alignment with how she likes to market and what mm-hmm. feels good for her. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those instances of like, it wasn't a bad offer. She's brilliant at what she does. She did get some interest, but because it was a group program, she needed that like minimum number to actually make it viable to run it. And she didn't hit that. And she was like, yeah, I'm bummed, but I still love this offer. I want to try to do it again in the future, but more than anything, I was proud of myself. Mm -hmm. I like, I made, it was like, she built her own self-trust in the process. And I was like, yeah, that's amazing. Like that is really, really, really cool. And I feel like we often don't do that for ourselves in business. Yes. Yeah. And and this will line up perfectly with one of the confidence builders. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You you literally could (laughs) have, we could have planned that out, but, um, (laughs) Uh, what I wanted to say too is confidence would have us define individually what success means and looks like for ourselves. And so I think one of the things that sort of chips away is we buy into other people's definitions of what success is. I, I know people who make multiple million dollars that I would not personally define as successful. I mean, Elon Musk, huge example, you know, he's, been divorced three times and admittedly has very little relationship with any of his children. Like to me, doesn't feel like success, no matter how much money he happens to be making. Now, mm-hmm. obviously that might be his definition of success. It's not for me to decide what somebody else's success looks like, but it, it does require a measure of confidence, a measure of trust in ourselves to define it and stand by it for ourselves. Simone Biles being a phenomenal example. If, if she was, if she lacked confidence, I I would imagine that she would buy into the only definition of success would be more gold medals, Mm -hmm. but she's a phenomenal example of demonstrating confidence in this is what success looks like for me right Mm -hmm. now and I'm choosing it. Yeah, that I, I completely agree because yeah, it does. Uh, it, it is so powerful to decide, I think for ourselves, what, what that looks like, because yeah, I know for a lot of people, it's like, you know, could I, hustle or do different things and get to a certain revenue level. And yeah, but I, it, that's not like, I, I have enough. I have plenty. I live a good life. Like the, my metrics of success are X, Y, Z. And so therefore I don't actually need to seek out that other metric that for another person would be like, no, this is my, like, yeah, having that. And then like taking all that, you know, extra money beyond what I need and, you know, giving it to charity, you know, or doing Mm -hmm. different things like that could be, yeah, their benchmark of success. So I love that. Yeah. And I, I'll add to, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with desiring financial success. No, no, me either. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think we all come into adulthood with a a relationship with money or a belief around money. And, and 
I don't have guilt or um, judgment about making a lot of money. Um, I can do a lot of really cool things for myself and my family, but also for others. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just, it, it's the difference between the equation being if X happens, then I'll feel confident. Yeah. Versus I'm confident. And therefore I have a higher probability of X, whatever is important to me or you or anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I agree too. I'm like, I'm all for it. I'm like, if, if you want to make money, hell yes. Like it's not, we could do a lot of good things with a lot of money in this world for sure. Yep. For sure. So what are the five ways that people can start to boost their confidence? Yeah. So I'll go through each of the five and, and um, also the, each of the five is somewhat of an anecdote to a derailer. So if you heard the derailers and you're like, oh gosh, that one really gets me the most. I'm being mindful of the builder that will really help uh, get you out of that. Um, and, and by the way, knowing what the builders are, practicing the builders, being committed to building your confidence will not make the derailers go away. Mm. So they might come less frequently or less, you know, dramatically, uh, with practice, but you know, it's kind of that concept of courage isn't the absence of fear, right. Mm -hmm. And confidence isn't the absence of doubt or fear. Those things and all the derailers will still be there. They just will hopefully not become the roadblocks and obstacles they have been. Okay. So the five builders action Um, Action is the antidote to overthinking and probably the biggest confidence builder. Uh, If you take nothing away from our time together today, take away that action builds confidence. You can't hope your way into confidence. You can't wish your way into confidence. You can't think your way into confidence. You act your way into confidence, the way you build trust. Um, Failure builds confidence. That's the second confidence builder is failure. That usually surprises people. Um, but we know categorically it, with a ton of evidence that failure will build your confidence. In fact, it's a necessary component to becoming confident as well as successful. So failure is the antidote to perfectionism, uh, making mistakes, trusting and learning that you can recover from them. And, and the story that you shared earlier about the woman who launched and felt proud of herself, but didn't have quite the results that she wanted. That is an example of, of failure building confidence. Uh, if you fail forward is really your opportunity fail. Well, mm-hmm. um, the third confidence builder is giving yourself grace on the journey. Uh, mm-hmm. that's the antidote to head trash. Um, and, it's kind of a two-parter. It's, it's the way we talk to ourselves, replacing unkind and untrue thoughts with, with more grace. Uh, we, as women tend to beat ourselves up a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, giving grace on the journey. And, and you mentioned this earlier, it, it's really understanding that confidence building is a journey. Nobody ever arrives at confidence and is done. Like I've mm-hmm. never seen somebody plant the flag and be like, Whoo! Glad I did that, right? Like it Mm -hmm. is a ongoing, ever evolving journey. 
Uh, the fourth confidence builder is choosing confidence. Now that seems probably oversimplified, but one of the greatest gifts I've received in the work that I do is being able to be a witness to and observing when people choose confidence, even when they're not feeling it. I think we often have confidence as a feeling, like either we feel it or we don't, as opposed to a choice we can make anytime we want. And we actually do this in our lives so much more often than we give ourselves credit for. If you had a bad you know, outcome in a meeting, but you had to get ready for the next meeting, we mm-hmm. often choose confidence walking into that next meeting because we can't carry what just happened into the next, right? Yeah. Lots of examples there, but, but understanding that confidence is both a feeling and a a choice and one we can choose whenever we want easier said than done, but it is available to us. And then the fifth confidence builder is building confidence internally, which is of course the antidote to, um, building it externally. Um, and, and there are tons of ways that we can do this probably, um, you know, the, the few most impactful are keeping our promises, both the ones we make to our, to others and to ourselves. We tend to be pretty good about keeping commitments and promises that we make to other people, not as good at the ones we make to ourselves. And if confidence is about building trust then keeping your commitments and your promises is a phenomenal way to do it. Now that doesn't mean a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're not going into perfectionism here. Nobody keeps 100% of their promises and commitments 100% of the time, but it's definitely a more often than not and being mindful of it. Uh, creating and keeping boundaries is a great well, way to build confidence internally, practicing self-care. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, massages and mm-hmm. manicures. I, I really mean being mindful of taking care of yourself, um, and prioritizing your health and your wellness mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, I don't love how self-care has sort of been made into Mm -hmm. things that require privilege or a lot of Mm -hmm. money or excess time. Because in my experience, it's really what ever gives you energy. For me, one of the best ways I practice self-care is reading. I'm, I love to read it. It gives me energy. Um, and it costs me very little. Uh, so whatever it is for you, whatever fills your tank, um, that's a great way to build your confidence internally is to honor that and, and follow through on it. I love those. And when you were talking about the like choosing confidence, it made me think of, I I'm going to like mess up the quote, but the one where it's like, you know, speak your truth or whatever, even if your voice shakes, like whatever Mm. that, that quote is, but it kind of makes me think of those moments where you're like, I'm going to stick up for myself or I'm going to stick up for somebody else. And you're like, or, or I'm going to like, choose the, maybe like the less popular choice or the thing that goes against the status quo and having that, like consciously making the choice of like, this is scary. And I don't feel a hundred, like you said, like that, you know, it's not a hundred percent, but like, I'm still going to choose 
to be confident enough in the moment to advocate for myself or this person or this choice or, um, whatever. And when I like, when I look back over my life, every time that I was like, I don't feel a hundred percent confident, but I'm choosing to be confident and choose what feels right for me. Even if I'm going to get pushback or whatever, it's always done so well for like in the, in the end, like maybe not in the moment, but ultimately I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did that. And it literally, like, I feel like those moments compounded so that now whenever new moments come up that make me feel like I'm really shaky and I'm scared and whatever, I actually have so much evidence and so much proof to go back to, to be like, yeah, but wait, you did this, you did that, you know, thing like all of those things. And I feel like it's almost like I'm like flooding myself with enough confidence that I can then do the next hard thing. Yeah. So you're, you're giving an excellent example of two of the confidence builder first choosing it. And I think it's important what you're saying, choosing it implies that it isn't, um, obvious or that it isn't Mm -hmm. easy, right? If everything's going well and everything's easy and everything works out, then, you know, what choice do we need to make? It's, it's really easy to be confident when everything is working in our favor, Mm -hmm. but life does not go that way. And so, you know, yes, choosing confidence it is in the face of fear in the face of doubts in the god i don't i don't feel confident in the moment i'm going to choose it and then the second confidence builder is then getting into action like literally doing something with it um and, and that builds confidence for all the reasons that you just said how do you tackle something that seems overwhelming big, impossible. The answer is one step at a time. Little risks built up over time lead to big confidence. And, and so, you know, if something seems big, you know, like you said, with the shaky voice, do it. If, if, if you have a goal that seems so far away, get into action towards the goal. You don't have to complete the goal tomorrow. Just get mm-hmm. into action towards it, one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So obviously, this is you know we we talk about sales and marketing around these parts on this podcast. So since you were in sales, at, you know before you had your business, what are your suggestions for people who? have to show up, who have to market themselves and their offers, and then have the confidence to say like, yeah, this is good. You should pay me for it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's really hard. (laughs) Um, so first I always believe in sales that you sell twice, sometimes more than twice, but definitely twice first yourself, then the person that you're selling to. So really being mindful, whatever it is that you're selling, how can you increase your belief, your conviction, your commitment around it? And so, you know, the best way to do that is, is to find out why you would 
buy this or why you would invest in, in, in being authentic and showing up. You gave that example again with the woman whose course didn't go so well. She showed up as herself. Now, maybe the first go round, she didn't get the results that she wants, but I'm guessing she's getting closer and closer and closer to those amazing results that she's looking for. Um, so, I, you know, that's tip number one is you always sell twice, uh, first to yourself and then to the person. Um, and then I, the biggest mistake I see people make in sales is they think that their market is everyone. Like mm-hmm. they, they are, make their funnel so wide. And this is a little trick. I tell myself if there are 330 million people in the United States, if 1% of the population invested in something with me at $50, just once $50, I'd make $1.65 billion. If 0.01% of the population gave me that $50, I'd make make 16 and a half million dollars. You don't need everybody to like you. In fact, 99.9% of the population can think you're a complete hack and you'd still be a multimillionaire. So the question is, can you appeal to 0.1% or 1%? And and if your demographic is a smaller one, you know, think about your, the town you're in and the surrounding towns. I'm guessing if you do the math, you, you still come out millions ahead. So um, my tip in sales is stop trying to serve everyone. Know your value, know who you are, be confident in that, and then go find your people. Mm-hmm. I am so glad you mentioned that because I am constantly saying attract the best, repel the rest. <laughs> yeah. And oh my gosh, there's so many people out there where you're just like, those just aren't my people. Oh my gosh. No, I, um, I love to tell the story of like the, the angry email I got post inauguration this year. I didn't, I just casually mentioned like, Oh, you know, it was the inauguration felt like a big exhale, blah, blah, blah. And then I went into whatever the heck I was talking about. And this woman, her name was Barb. I'm like, that's iconic. Thank you, Barb. Um, she was very mad and she wanted to tell me all about how she didn't like me. She didn't like my politics. And I was like, Oh, well, thank God. I mean, I'm so glad that she a noticed and B like, doesn't want to work with me because I don't want to work with people like that. And I'm obviously doing my job. Uh, not that everyone has to like get political 24 seven in their business, but like I am doing my job. Well, if I am repelling the wrong people. Uh, and so, yeah. And that's, oh my gosh, those numbers about the like amount of money you would make on the, that is just mind boggling. That is so much money. Yeah. Well, and I think too, um, like you're saying is I'm almost grateful for the people who make it obvious that they're not my people. Yes. Um, you know, I kind of have this like avatar in my mind of who's my ideal and who's my not. Um, and I think, you know, part of being in sales and part of running a business is really finding your niche or your target market. Mm -hmm. And I encourage when people do that to start with yourself first, who Mm -hmm. are you, who are you, what do you value? Um, so that you can attract the people you'll probably enjoy working with the most, but you know, 
now Barb's sort of that, that avatar, but unfortunately, I think a lot of people waste a lot of time trying to convince the Barb's of the world or try to mm-hmm. turn the Barb's of the world in your favor. And I, th- I think it's really important as you did to just be like, okay, I got to let this one go mm-hmm. and take any time and energy I could waste over here with Barb and spend it getting closer to my people. Yes, exactly. And I think too, I, I really love how you mentioned that selling happens twice and we first have to like sell it to ourselves in our mind. Um, this something that has been coming up for the last few weeks, uh, in my group program is around like a lot of the stuff that comes up that derails confidence when you raise your prices. Mm. Um, cause it's suddenly this fear of who is going to pay that people will be mad, you know, all of that. Um, and I think what is the most interesting about that is that it really comes back to that. Like, yeah, again, we're not trying to talk to all people Yeah, Some will, some will be mad. Some will be disappointed. Um, but we're not trying to talk to all people. And it's like that. I always say like, you feel it in your body. And it's like one of those things that like, you can't fully embrace that it's a problem until you feel it in your body. Like until you have that moment where you go, I am not making an, like, I'm not getting paid well enough for the value I'm delivering. And I feel like it's once we sell it to ourselves, the reality of, I am not like, I I should be getting compensated better for what I'm bringing to the table. It's like only in that moment, I feel like that people can go, I'm ready because I feel like it's in that moment where you're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, raise my rate, you know, 50% whatever. When you have sold it to yourself first, that you are worth every penny of the new rate. Even if there's like that trepidation before you sell the first one, we are like, oh my God, am I like yeah. making a huge mistake? <laughs> totally. But I feel like, I feel like that's what it really, like, I feel like you articulated it so well because like, that's what it is. It's like selling to ourselves the idea that like, hell yeah, that rate, even though I've raised it is still phenomenal for the thing that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, totally tactical tip, but I've raised my rates several times and I've learned some of this the hard way. And then I, you know, worked with a lot of women who've done the same. And, and, and by the way, the fear around doing it is universal. Um, Mm -hmm. but when you raise your rates, small tip, but when you say your new rate, just say it and shut up. We mm-hmm. as women, well, I, I think, I don't know if this is a woman thing. I work predominantly with women. So I yeah. see this a lot, but we tend to say, you know, my rate is X and then we start explaining it or justifying right. it, uh, you know, the value of my work da, 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 da. and, and in doing so we are planting a question mark in people's minds. Just say the rate and be quiet and let people say, cause how often people are like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, it was that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, or somebody might go, oh, okay, well, h- how much were you budgeting? And then you can ask yourself, you know, is there somewhere in the middle or, or right. you know, that sort of thing? But, and this is an unpopular opinion, but I've seen it play out over and over and over again. Um, 
when you raise your rates or when you have high rates, um, first of all, what's high for some people might not be high for others. It's all relative. Um, you want to do it when you're, you're close to capacity or when things are going well. Um, what ends up happening is you sort of lose the bottom 20 to 30%. So you do lose some people, Mm -hmm. but you, you more than pay for it by the people you keep Mm -hmm. and the people you gain. But what's really frustrating, and I'm always mindful to have free resources. I'm always mindful to do things that are lower cost, no matter, it it is important to me that not only the privileged have access to my work or my content, that is a, a priority for me. Having said that, and I say this with love, people with low budgets tend to be the biggest pain in the asses to work with. And I'm, it, 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 it's frustrating. I don't not want to work with people with low budgets because of my greed or my need to be compensated because there are certain things that I do like almost in that pro bono space. Mm -hmm. I I sometimes can't do it because it's become a boundary. It's so energy draining. It's so frustrating. It's so, so you know, I say this with love, regardless of what dollar amount you're investing into somebody's business or service or product, you know, be kind, be Mm -hmm. clear about expectations up front and, and accept what people do or don't do, or that they know their business. If you're hiring them, you're not the expert. Um, and don't be a jerk. It's really quite frustrating in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for that, but then they, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this, like I've done a couple episodes on pricing because it's something that's so difficult and nuanced and comes up so much. Um, and like you said, everyone, everyone universally struggles with like raising their rates and everything. Uh, but I have seen it time and again, and I'm just like you, like, I'm like, I, share so much like in my podcast and other things, like, and I, I do it gladly. Like my, I always say like my free stuff is my accessible content. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do have some other, you know, lower cost resources as well. But the, the difference is, is that those don't take my active time. Like the lower cost paid things, I don't have to show up. I don't have to do a lot of customer service. They're just very passive, you know, like courses, mini courses, like it's things like that. And I have just seen time and again from all different types of businesses, all different types of, um, clientele, all, I mean, just all different types of offers, like time and time and time again, that, of, of friends and clients who have been like, I am going to shut down this low cost member. It's usually a low cost membership. It's usually something where it's like you as the provider still have to kind of be actively involved, but the, the people who are there are not, um, you know, they're not paying as much and, uh, where they're like, I'm exhausted. I am, it's constant customer service. It's constantly people being disappointed because they are paying $50 a month and they think that they're supposed to be getting 
like private coach. I don't like it's, you know, they're like, I said it all on the sales page. It's right there. Like, this is what they're getting. But, but people have like, have a different idea in their mind, obviously not all people, but like have a different idea in their mind of what they should be getting. And I've like literally had like my best friend just recently, she, she's super over delivers. She's so brilliant at a hundred dollars a month membership. And somebody wrote in this whole email that was like, they were upset about all these things they thought they should be getting. And she literally was like, that wasn't what was promised. I've been delivering what was promised. I've gone ahead and just refunded you and canceled your subscription. Like she just straight up. And she's, she's literally like winding it down. Now she's closing it and she's reopening it in a slightly different container that is a bit higher priced and a smaller capacity and a different experience because yes, like, and I have just seen it so many times in my clients where they're like, I am getting frustrated and people are pushing back on the rate and whatever. And when we break it down, it really comes down to a, the band that you are charging for that thing. And obviously, like you said, it's all relative. So industry to industry, whatever is low could be totally different. Yeah. But it is causing the wrong people to show up who want the sun, the moon and the stars for not enough money. And it's burning you out. You have to raise your rates because yeah, you will like, and I think, I think it actually like just to tie it all back in. I, I feel like when you are experiencing that pushback from the wrong types of people, like people that you should not be, um, serving in that, like in like a low cost container, again, depend varies industry to industry, but I feel like it erodes our confidence as providers because we start to question like, am I good at this? Or did I make a mistake? Or do I deserve to have success? If I couldn't get this right, then I'm going to keep getting it wrong. And it's like, I really do feel like that over overworking for not for not being fairly compensated ourselves, it erodes our confidence in our ourselves. Yeah. I mean, yes, of course. When we get the emails, there isn't a person on the planet who doesn't have the sinking stomach and the, oh my gosh, you know, and and, and like really handling that in a productive way, asking yourself some important questions, being honest with yourself and then determining what's the appropriate way to move forward. But just generally speaking, my, you know, my boundary, I talked about building confidence mm-hmm. internally, keeping boundaries. Like one of my boundaries is I just don't work with jerks. I don't care how mm-hmm. much you pay me. Yep. And I am aware that I am privileged to be able to say that not everybody has, you know, that choice. I, I get totally. that, but I don't work with jerks, whether you're going to pay my highest and then some rate it is just not worth it. But what's, I think, kind of frustrating for me is the general trend that I've seen is that people who have treated me like jerks are typically the ones at the lowest price points. And I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't I know. I mean, not either. all people at the lowest price points or some, no, totally. like, but I'm just, yeah. Anyway, totally. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like we said, like it really, you know, cause I have a client who only sells lower cost, um, 
passive courses, you know, and things like that. And it, and it works out great, you know? And so yeah, totally, you know, she has a totally different, you know, it's just not a B2B person, you know, like just B2C and totally different audience. But yeah, I think it's, I, I'm just, I'm so with you on that because yeah, nothing, I feel like nothing feels better than charging an appropriate price for your work, quoting it. And the other person just being like, sounds great. Send me the invoice. Yeah. I, f- that is such a confidence builder. You're like, yes, yeah. you know, yes. What? I've, I've, I'll add this and this might not be true for everybody. I actually have gotten to the point where if somebody is like, yep, let's do it. I have the, oh crap. I should have higher. I actually look forward to like just one, it doesn't need to be an objection, but just some right. question like, um, you know, cause then that feels like it wasn't too easy. It's not too hard. Totally. Um, I, I've sort of, I know we won't have time to get into this, but I've sort of reframed my mind a little bit about negotiation and that it's some, it's more of a good thing than it is something to be scared of or avoided. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I say that and I still get nervous every time I oh yeah have that conversation. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to have all the places people can find you in the show notes, but is there anything else that you want to tell people of, you know, where you want to direct them to or anything like that? Go for it. Yeah. So, um, my favorite free resource is my podcast. This is woman's work. And I really do. It's like a passion project for me. I share most everything that I share in all of my other work in that podcast. So it is Mm -hmm. a phenomenal free resource. Um, I also partnered with a couple other phenomenal women to do a 12 week mastermind for business owners. It's called honor your ambition. We do 12 weeks of all business acumen plus peer to peer group sessions and all that. It's $2,000, which I know for some people might seem like a really big price point, but you know, my highest offering at, 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 at keynote is $10,000. So, you know, I feel like, uh, 2000 for 12 weeks and, and other women and, and peer to peer and all sorts of resources and support it is, um, I, I try to, I put that in the category of, I might be underpricing myself, but it makes it more accessible for women who are, launching, growing, scaling a business. Um, we, we do say if you're, if you've hit the half a million mark, this business is probably, or this uh, mastermind isn't for you. Um, yeah. 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 That's awesome. It sounds, it sounds really, it sounds really good. And really I like, I like the name too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate, appreciate your time and your knowledge. And this was just so good. I feel like it's, yeah, uh, confidence is so crucial in, in business, especially, especially for women. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh my gosh. My pleasure, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. And I I don't know if you feel this, but I I, like, it felt like this time just went by in a flash. So So fast. Yeah. (laughs) I looked up and I was like, Oh my gosh. What? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I feel like we could keep going for a whole other hour, but So good. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Sell It Sister podcast. If you loved it and you want more, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And then head on over to sellitsisterhood.com 
to join my free Facebook community group. And as your mama said, sharing is caring. So if you got a lot of value out of this episode, be sure to share it with your biz besties too, okay? Now get out there and sell it, sister.